us, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. Hi everyone, welcome to the Real Science Cast, the podcast where three highly qualified professionals pick a movie and pick about the science. My name is Ken Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. I don't have anything funny to say, so. Well, sure. you're not very funny. <sighs> nice. I All right, have, well, now that we've said a funny thing. <laughs> I have oh, okay. a novel idea what we can do for the intro. Okay, what's up? What if... Right. Now, stay with me. Right. I'm already here. What if we just said to the listeners... This week, we watched Dallas Buyers Club. And well, just we watched like, Men in Black. No, we didn't. Okay. All right. <laughs> Did you name the episode Men in Black, Kenan? Yes. yes. Kenan? <laughs> Come on. How did you name the episode before we even before finished recording we it? recording it? <laughs> it's a very good question, it's actually. This is crazy. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, we can do that. We can just get straight in. Yeah, we could just say yeah. we watched Dallas Buyers Club. You can just actually do a normal episode where we just talk about what we actually did. Yeah. So I'll just say it again that we watched okay. Dallas Buyers. Club okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah. This That's, week. That is what we did. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're recording on a Saturday. We normally record on a Wednesday night um, so. when we're tired and ready to go to bed. Um, so it's a Saturday now, and we're all still tired and ready to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, coincidentally, Kenan is still exhausted. I am drinking coffee that Sean made for me in his uh, fine Keurig machine. Yes, it's artisanal. Artisanal. <laughs> it's fair artisanal. trade. It's artisanal. Handpicked. Hand, this is, uh, hand-picked. This Hand-picked. show is an official ad for Donut Shop Coffee. This is my vine-ripened Keurig. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the Keurig my- ripened on the vine? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, my... Plucked just at the right moment. <laughs> I was uh, lounging on the <laughs> couch Veranda? eating... Oh, okay. <laughs> eating curry straight from the vine. <laughs> you were eating curry straight from the vine? Okay, we've lost the plot. Yeah, that's oh, okay. delicious. Yeah, so this week we watched uh, Dallas Buyers Club. We did. Um, starring Matthew McConaughey, mm-hmm. Jared Leto, mm-hmm. Jennifer Garner. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, that's all the main people. A hippie doctor who pra- pra- practices Mexican medicine. Mexican. He was also in that. Um, and then several unnamed racists. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Racist from, from Texas. This yes. is a wild movie. Uh, CW for um, uh, lots of racism and lots of homophobia for Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, it's it's an inherent part of the yeah. film and the plot, unfortunately. We're yes. going to avoid saying uh, slurs as much as we possibly can while describing yes. the plot. So, yes. on that front. I think we can do it. Yeah, and it I'm came out. Pretty sure. It came out in 2013. Yep. And it had six Academy Award nominations. Which is bananas. Yeah. So people thought it was a good movie, which we will, we'll get to that later. We will. We will. Um, so, so what we're going to try and cover the most in this episode is discussing sort of like the history of HIV and AIDS. We're going to talk a little bit about the virus just so you guys can learn a little bit about it. Um, answer some questions. Uh, we also have the potential of getting an interview uh, in the middle of the episode, so that'll be nice for you guys. Yes. Like a real professional. I am, this movie, Jared Leto plays a trans individual mm-hmm. in the movie. And uh, Jared Leto is not trans himself, but, you know, he actually was nominated for an Academy Award for his portrayal of this role. And since we are three 
Um, cis. Cis. Mostly het. <laughs> yeah, most, <laughs> mostly het. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> mostly het white men. We decided that we are not even going to touch the topic of his portrayal of a trans individual in the movie. Right. But instead interview uh, my sister, Gabby Crossan, who is a trans individual, and get her take on her perception of Jared Leto's role in the movie and mm-hmm. just some sort of light discussion about what she thought was good about it, what she thought maybe could have been improved or if right. it was accurate, inaccurate, stuff like that. Right. I think it's kind of a chicken move to ignore it. So like we decided a, a better move would be to talk to somebody who has actual experience. Exactly. Feel free to email us questions about the movie, but if you email us asking questions about this particular topic, we are not We will forward them to someone else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Pace, do we have any disclaimers? We do have some disclaimers. Uh, because it's the middle of the day, yep. we might not curse as much, or we'll curse just as much. Fuck that. <laughs> okay, never mind. Uh, you can just ignore that disclaimer. And we are going to digest some of the scientific minutiae of the film like we always do. Mm-hmm. So get ready for that. Yeah, get ready for some minutiae. Open yes. up your nose brain. Your Open the, up the, your nose. The gateway into your brain is, of course, <laughs> is the nose. The nose. <laughs> I, I'm also going to comment that aside from the homophobic remarks that are made in the movie, it's also just pretty heavy subject matter in yeah, general. It's a rough movie to watch. Um, yes. Which I'm assuming most of our listeners, you know, can gauge that for themselves. But, you know, I wouldn't sit down with your kids to watch Dallas Buyers Club because it's pretty... Yeah, it's not a movie to like, oh, I'll have a couple beers and just chill out with some Dallas yeah. Buyers Club. <laughs> yeah. I, to kind of put that into perspective, there was an LA Times article, I think, that came out around the time the movie was released. Yeah. And the LA Times article title was Dallas Buyers Club, the AIDS movie that no one ever wanted to make. That's so and apparently the the writing for the script had been uh, it was a process that lasted nearly twenty years because wow. people like the idea has been around a long time to make, make this kind of film but it's as you say a very tough subject matter yeah right so well I thought they did a good job yeah but well now we can just not do the show because you already had Ken's review oh I'll just won't talk oh, okay <laughs> yeah. should, should we go into the plot let's go into it yeah, let's do it I think we've bantered enough even though we said we wouldn't. Yep. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, people know what they're getting into. We had to for a little bit. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to, you know. Uh, Stick to our brand. Pace. Yes. Why don't you do the plot this time? Why don't you kick what? us off? Just to start. Wow. Well, why don't we all do some plot? Well, I'm uncomfortable. We're breaking with protocol. Can you emotionally support me through this? Yeah, I can do okay. it. Okay. I will carry you. When you see two steps of footprints, it will be me walking beside you. But when you see one step of footprints, it's when I carry you. Oh, that's kind of like how uh, Sam carried Frodo to the mount- to Mountain of Doom. It'll to be mount exactly Doom, right? like that. Yeah, actually, that's what that quote refers to. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Lord of the Rings, for sure. Yeah, um, Thank you, Peter Jackson. He's really great. The Hobbit movies weren't as good, though, and he still directed this, them. This is what happens when we have to play <laughs> the plot. So, we open up on a scene. Yes. So, with- <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> we open up on a rodeo, yep. right? Uh, and you have Matthew McConaughey. He is, I guess there's like, he's in this gated area. I guess he's about to go out on, is he about to go out or he's, he's just like betting at the rodeo? Here, he, right? He's betting, yeah. He's, he's betting. collecting money for bets. Um, but one of the first scenes that we have here is him having uh, having intercourse, sexual intercourse uh, in like a darkened area, but like, like underneath the uh, stands for the rodeo. Right. And I think this kind of like sets off the scene of the movie because it's like Maddie Max a gross dude. He's kind of a gross dude. It's yeah. d- it's it's dark. Uh, like, and there's two girls with him. I yeah. think so. He, it's which implies a little bit of promiscuity there, you know. So it like shows a little bit, a yeah. little bit. that and having sex in a public place. <laughs> well, that too. So like he's it's it's going opening up on like the character of Matthew McConaughey's 
character. Right. Um, and so this happens, and then the actual scene with the rodeo occurs, uh, and he bets a lot of money on the guy, yeah. on, on the, the, the guy would last so long on a, on a bull, right? Uh, he loses the bet. And would you stop looking at me? Like I, you're looking at me. I'm just looking at you. Dude, I'm, this is me carrying you, Pace. Well, I get a lot out of that look. All right, good. Okay. Um, so basically, uh, Matthew McConaughey get, makes makes a bet on this on this rodeo clown, basically. Uh, and so it's his friend TJ is yeah, actually going out. And um, TJ, yeah, TJ is one of the one of the homophobic people that are friends with Matthew one of McConaughey. his part of his friend group. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they, we get about four minutes into this movie before they say the F word. <laughs> <laughs> just sort of right off the bat. Yeah, so he's betting He's betting that TJ will last eight seconds. Eight seconds, seconds on the bull. Yeah. Uh, he does not. And then he had put like $640 on this bet uh, with a bunch of other of his friends, who I guess he does this pretty regularly with. Um, and then they all basically come running after him after he loses the bet, but he doesn't have any money. Yeah, um, he just dips with their money. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and he basically, he also has a, and this is important for the rest of the show, I think, the rest of the movie. He has a friend who's a cop. And so he runs to his friend who's a cop who's outside of the rodeo and like, hey, arrest me. So I don't have to like cover my, my bets that I just made. Yeah. Uh, with these, with these people. Um, and then he like punches the cop to get arrested. But anyway, so he is now driving away with his, with his cop friend. Yep. Right. Uh, and I guess his cop friend's taking him home. And then we get. Can we, can we name him? Can we name the cop? His friend name is Tucker. I was going to call him Barney. Yeah, that's kind of boring. I think he's Officer Barney now. Officer Barney is a good name for Officer him. Rubble. Officer <laughs> Rubble. <laughs> Officer Rubble yes. picks him up and they go, wake it away, wake it away, wake it away. And they run the on the ground. And they, yeah. <laughs> and they run away. <laughs> so his Officer Barney takes Matthew McConaughey back to his house, which is basically, it's, it's a trailer, right? right? And now we get to see Maddie Mac's living situation he's, right. that he's in here. He also like... Important for the movie, he stumbles out of his car. Like, when he gets out of the car, he almost falls out. He does. He already appears to be just kind of, like, sickly. He's also just deathly thin yeah. in this movie. He's also got a very bad cough um, yes. for most of this movie. Yes. And when he, he stumbles into his trailer and he sort of looks around and the audience gets, there's a tinnitus, like, ringing, a high-pitched ringing yep. noise yep. Yep. in the beginning of the movie. And Matthew McConaughey just collapses <laughs> on the ground. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then inside his house, inside his house, yes. and it just picks up, you know, at later that night. It's he, now dark he wakes out, up, and he wakes up, and immediately starts drinking. Yes, <laughs> he's clearly like he's clearly at least to a certain degree an alcoholic. Uh, he's smokes cigarettes. He has he has a lot of bad health habits. He has a lot of vices, and he lives a very risky lifestyle. Yes, that, like just based on this lifestyle, you would anticipate that he would die young, anyways, from this, right? Um, from just his lifestyle. So, uh, the next day rolls around, and we get to learn about the daily life of Maddie Mac in this film, and he's an electrician, uh, and so he's he's working outside, uh, and there is an injury that occurs on site where he's working, uh, and we figure out that this uh, this injury occurs as some some worker gets, like, caught in a drill or something. He gets like caught his, in, a, in an oil, uh, one of those uh, oil pumps. Right, yeah, right. This guy's leg gets caught in it, yeah. so they have to call an ambulance. Um, there's this whole problem where the, the worker is like an illegal alien, but it's not too important for the plot. Uh, and so they're going to turn off the drill, Matty Mac is, uh, and as he does this, he gets shocked by the, yeah. by the, what, the breaker box that's, that's, uh, controlling the drill. Uh, and we the oil, laughed. oil rig, and we, yeah. it was, it was kind of funny. He gets <laughs> blasted backwards. It's actually the only funny part of the movie. It happened <laughs> so abruptly, and the movie just spent uh, like 10 minutes telling us that, Maddie Mac was a douchebag. Yes. And so the minute he gets shocked, we all just laughed. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, so he gets taken to the hospital because of this. Yep. Uh, and this is where shit starts to get real. Um, he, he wakes up in the hospital and he's had some vitals done and some blood taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, there are two doctors in the room. One of them is an older gentleman. Uh, other one is a younger female. And they basically both tell him that your white blood cell count is incredibly low. Yep. Uh, they say it's like nine, as in singular number nine, when it should be between 500 and 1,000. Um, and they say they basically diagnosed him with... HIV. He's contracted HIV. Now, we know he doesn't just have nine blood cells in his whole ass body. Right. right? So, right. Well, he might. He's pretty sick. I mean, he is pretty, <laughs> yeah, he is pretty sick. He might. But what do, the, what do those numbers normally mean when they're uh, so on a chart? Normally, I would think, based upon readings uh, that, we've, that we've read about, uh, about white blood cell count in blood, it would be basically numbers of white blood cells per cubic mil. Milliliter. Milliliter. Yeah. Of blood, yes. Yeah. Which is the metric system. Hey. And, uh, but normally a healthy person's range is between like 4,000 and 10,000. Yeah. Approximately. So then they say it should be like 500 to 1,000. So that's wrong. Right. Uh, that's not exactly the right numbers. Which the numbers could have come from maybe like a specific type of white blood cell or leukocyte. Maybe. So like maybe, maybe. that's where the poll was from, but they say white blood cell in the movie. So. And you'd think that if a general white blood cell count was. You would think that what they would say on a on a blockbuster film, right. it would be the standard like white blood cell count, yeah, yeah, like yeah. how That's you kinda would normally like yeah. describe it. So they didn't exactly get that right. Um, but no matter what, it's low. His is very low. That's the point here: is that basically his immune system is no longer functioning properly, which is probably why he feels so shitty. Yep. and he's coughing all the time. And they tell him that he has AIDS. Yeah, and then they ask him, you know, the standard questions like. Have you engaged in unprotected sex? Have you had... They actually specifically asked him, has he had homosexual relationships? Yep. Like, to which he explodes. To which he freaks out because yep. he is very He's anti, homophobic. He's homophobic. So he takes this as they're, like, accusing him of... He literally gay. yells, I ain't gay. Yeah. <laughs> Only he, he, he... There are a lot more slurs that are integrated into the language here that he's yeah, using. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a good choice, Kenan. Because I'm not 12 it's, playing Call it's of a Duty good choice. in 2008. <laughs> it's obviously a good choice that we're not choosing to use them. It's more just to emphasize, like, the... He's being the, really shitty about He's it. being really inappropriate in the way that he's addressing this whole situation. You were 19 in 2008. <laughs> oh, shit, I was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, I'm so old. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just while Kenan dies over oh. here for a second. Yeah, so they tell me as AIDS, he obviously gets very mad. He freaks out. They yeah. hand him some, they're like, here's some paperwork. Uh, you, They estimate that he has 30 days left to live. So yeah. like, with a T-cell count in your range, is important. you're not long for this world. And so he gets extremely mad. He basically tells them that they don't know what they're talking about because he, quote, says he's not gay. Right. So in his mind, that's the only way he could have uh, gotten HIV. Right. Because this was right. a large stigma at the time because HIV was much more prevalent in the gay community. Right. Yes. And this movie takes place in 1984 or 5? I think like 85 is when this 19. initial event happened. The movie spans over a period of a few years. Right, right, but, right. Yeah, um, it's set in the mid-80s during yes. like the height of the AIDS epidemic. Yes. They do also ask him whether or not he uses like intravenous drugs or anything like that. True. Well, yeah. At the time, yeah. there was this conflation between homosexuality and HIV. Yes. So, so next, 
after he leaves the hospital in a rage, yep. he goes back to his trailer with his friend TJ, and they get some sex workers to come over to their house and do some cocaine have with sex them. with. <laughs> yeah, so, and do some cocaine. So there's scenes of them doing drugs together, and Matthew McConaughey, essentially, like, he sort of passes out. Yeah, he's, like, in this, sorry, but he, he I was gonna say, he's, like, in this fugue state, and there's this, uh, the movie has him, like, looking at uh, TJ, his, his friend, with the two sex workers, and he's like, you can see the wheels turning in his head, and he's like, oh, I'm not going to have sex. Right. Me. And in the background, there's a the calendar. There's the oh, calendar yeah, that's that just right. says, like, day 30 on it is yeah. highlighted, and he's thinking, like, he has 30 days left to live. He's, like, out of it, and he can't really function his normal lifestyle. Yeah. And so the next scene is just TJ being like, hey, you okay? Like, what's up? Mm-hmm. You didn't join in. He was like, oh, I'm good. I'm just got a cold i'm like, i have a cough yeah he's like i have a cough <laughs> and then he t- basically tells him that the doctor said i have hiv which i know they're wrong because i'm not gay so i can't have hiv yeah. right and tj's like of course you're not gay like we know you can't have hiv i know you love vagina yeah that's what, or something. basically what he says yeah, <laughs> yeah. actually <laughs> do you know the exact quote because he says i know you got a pussy addiction oh my it's, god it's, <laughs> it's so really dumb yeah. It was very yeah. <sighs> sorry. Sorry for saying that, but, that, but that's what he no, says it's fine. He does have a lot of cats. As we continue house. to talk about this, <sighs> we we should make one thing just like totally clear: like yeah. you, it's not just gay people that get AIDS. Oh yeah, 100%. so let's just <laughs> yeah. obviously the most of the audience probably knows that, but let's just sure. you know. Let's say I think we'll actually go into some of the like misconceptions when he's researching in the library. Yep. yep. So after right. this, he actually the next scene is uh, Matthew McConaughey in the library because he's starting to like. He's he like, thinks shit. He's starting I to believe it. He feels sick. really, really sick. Yeah. He's like, I know I don't have a cold, but like, there's no way I can have HIV. So let me investigate a little more. So he goes to the library, and there's scenes of him like researching HIV on like a computer and pulling out a bunch of books. Yeah, and he's looking at articles, reading right. research articles, looking at news articles. Well, he's he's using actually one of those old like it's not a computer. It's not a computer. Right? He's using it's those like, old like like mini projectors that you like oh that you like look at news type with yes like, with a little roller on the yes yeah, that's right. uh-huh. yeah. he's using one of those and he actually you know the camera pans in and he reads over contract like use it intravenous drugs yes yeah, the percentage of people who contract hiv and what they're like risk group association right. is right like whether it's uh homosexual relationships using intravenous drugs like Number of women who do X, Y, and Z, like sex work, etc. So, and he has a flashback to having sex with another sex worker, presumably. And you can see the camera zooms into like she has track marks all over her arm, showing that she's been using intravenous drugs. And this is where he's starting to put the pieces together that I got this from having sex with this woman, and she must have contracted. She must have drug use. Yeah, she must have contracted through intravenous drug use. So he's sort of starting to believe that he has AIDS now. Yeah, yeah. And um, I guess to break away from the plot, we can talk about some of the different like misconceptions about HIV disease contraction. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Or, or I guess so. If anyone's interested at all, the Center for Disease Control has a lot of information about HIV transmission and about what HIV is. Yep. There's literally like a lot of different things on on it, but uh, essentially. The risk groups are, right, you can get it from uh, unprotected sex. That's, like, the main route of HIV um, contraction. Right. You can get it from anything. So it's a blood-borne disease. So you're really only getting it from coming in contact with an infected individual's blood. Yes. Yeah. So you can get it from sharing needles because needles go into your veins. So they don't have blood on them. 
but you don't get them from kissing. You don't get them from saliva. Sharing a toilet seat. You don't seat. get them from sharing a toilet seat, which <laughs> yeah. is like... Or shaking someone's hand. Yeah, or yeah. shaking someone's hand. Even if someone coughs on you, you know, you're not going to get HIV from that. It's not zombie rules. Right. It's, <laughs> <laughs> so you, you have to get it from, like, having either interaction with their blood or, like, intimate interaction with a person, you know, sex-wise. Right. Even if you actually ingest, like, swallow some blood by accident, I think you don't even get it from that because your stomach destroys the virus most of the time. Which yeah. is why you can't get it from saliva because there's like some blood in your saliva, but because it's not enough to constitute not enough to infection. get yeah. infected. That makes sense. Um, and there's a lot more information on here, which I'm not going to go through, but there's misconceptions and questions about having HIV. So if anyone's interested, you can go to the CDC's website. The one thing I think we should mention is that uh, sort of the, just very briefly, the general timeline of infection, because sure. the virus itself, uh, upon infection, you don't immediately start getting symptoms. And that's why they do one of these flashback things, because you can get HIV and after primary infection, um, you get this wide dissemination of the virus without many symptoms presenting themselves, right? So the, the, the virus replicates, it moves through, you can move through your lymphoid organs and things like that. And then it goes into what's known as clinical latency, um, at which point the virus uh, establishes uh, infection in host cells um, within the host's DNA. Um, so one of the interesting things about HIV is that it is a retrovirus, and so it's really cool. So it's super like, cool. Loves disco from the eighties. Yeah, uh, bell bottoms and all. I guess platform it, shoes kind of is from the eighties. Oh my gosh! Burn. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. That's why it's called that. That's why they call. I guess I'm have to explain it now. No, you should still explain it. Okay, that's fair. Because we are scientists, so we do need to say some real stuff. We do need <laughs> to say something useful. We do some need point. to say some real science. Oh, <gasps> you said the name. Oh, oh, oh okay, uh, it's crazy. Okay, do it, Ken. Okay, well, all right. So uh, after an HIV uh, attaches to the surface of a cell, um, the uh, inner area of the, the virus enters the cell. At some point, you get the RNA genome uh, uncoats, makes its way to the nucleus of the cell. The virus packages something that's known as reverse transcriptase, which translates the RNA genome into DNA, right? And so this is how it can make more copies of itself. Uh, another thing that uh, is brought along with the capsid is something called integrase, which takes the genome, once translated, and can transpose it into the cellular DNA. And this is how you set up a lytic infection, because the cell can then read that area of the uh, genome, and the cell itself will produce more copies of the virus. So I'm going to attempt to translate that. So basically what you're saying is that the way that HIV spreads from like cell to cell is that it will attach to a cell in your body. Mm -hmm. It will then bring its own genetic material, like an RNA in this case, right. inside your cell and then make more of itself so that it can replicate and then spread from cell to cell. And yep. it has certain uh, tools and materials that make it very efficient. And the key point there so. is that it sticks its genome into your cell's genome. Right. right. Which it like most, hijacks it. Which other non-retroviruses do not do. Right. right. So there's, um, I mean, I'm sure the general public is, you know, aware of different viruses and how they work. Like if you get a cold, it's a virus. And after two weeks or something or a week or three days, the cold is gone. Right. You no longer have any symptoms. That's because all the virus that was in your body is, is now gone. Your immune system's gotten rid of it. You don't yes. have an active infection. Because HIV, which stands for human immunodeficiency virus, so once it goes into a cell, 
even if there's not like an active like outbreak where the virus is replicating and breaking out of the cells, you still have that DNA just sitting there. Yep. So even if you are asymptomatic, you're still infected and there's not a way to get rid of it, which is why even current treatments today, they don't cure people of HIV. They just treat the infection cycle and try and suppress the outbreaks of the virus. And basically make it so that the cells that are infected aren't making more virus. Exactly. But no matter what the HIV's like genome and what makes it it, it becomes a part of you. Right. Yeah. So, which is what makes it uniquely dangerous. This is commonly referred to what's known as a reservoir of infection. So, any cell that contains the HIV genome or genetic material is a source of HIV virus. And that's one of the things that makes it so hard to cure because you would have to get rid of every cell that has integrated HIV genome. Yeah. Which is very hard to do because they're your cells. Right. Exactly. (laughs) You you um, need them. Right. You need them. They serve a normal function. You can't just get rid of all of them. Yep. Pace, while you take it away, I'm going to eat another one of Sean's Almond Joys. That sounds really gross. (laughs) What? I don't like Almond Joys. You sound really gross. Or I don't like coconut. So, okay, well then that's like that's what there's an almond and then the rest of it's coconut. So. Yeah, so that, that's why. There's also mounds though. Anyway, this has been our snack. I like how you said take it away and then started talking about fucking candy. All right. but I like Skittles. Hold on, Skittles are good. Are you trying to do like yeah. ASMR type shit right now? Or like, yeah. oh my god, someone put out that fire. <laughs> that one. Oh boy, it's on there. Oh boy, it is warm. Oh, Bazinga. Okay. Bazinga. Go ahead, Basin. So at this point in the film, uh, Matthew McConaughey has learned a lot about HIV and AIDS. He's kind of reached the acceptance stage that he has it. And so he goes back to the hospital Mm. and uh, talks to the younger female doctor who was there when he was diagnosed. Played by Jennifer Garner. Played by Jennifer Garner. Um, And while she's... And so he's trying to convince her to give... um, to give him all these drugs that he'd read about. Uh, the primary one of which that he starts off with is AZT. Mm-hmm. Uh, and AZT stands for um, azithromycine. Uh, azithromycine? Azido. Fuck. Azithromycine. <laughs> There's uh, a D in there, my boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, azithromycine. And this is basically... We'll get into this more, but it's an antiretroviral medication. Uh, but and this is just something that is currently in clinical trials for AIDS patients, and they're because of the epidemic is so bad right now. Yeah. Uh, they're trying to fast track this trial that basically would normally take like six to eight years to go through phase one, phase two, phase three right. clinical trials. They're trying to fast track it down to a year, which is not a good idea. Well, yeah. it uh, is. Um, it is also important to state that this is right now the only drug that they have for treating HIV, and the epidemic is. Bad. Well, and, and if people are dying, then yeah, like mm-hmm. they'll they'll do anything. So it makes sense that people want it and want to use it. I'm saying in general clinical trial practice. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. This yeah. is this it's is a bad time. idea, especially and especially which we'll get into at such high doses, mm-hmm. which, which they're using the AZT. Um, so we can go ahead and jump into how AZT works. I suppose yeah, we're sure. talking about yeah, it. Yeah. So, um, so maybe I'll say what I think happens, and you guys can tell me how wrong I am because okay. I know everything about viruses. So. I- AZT will certainly be able to correct you. <laughs> I know you will because you're a you're a, vi- a virologist. I am a virologist. <laughs> yeah. AZT is an antiretroviral medication. Yes. And the reason that this is uh, proposed to be used to treat HIV is because HIV is a retrovirus. So far, so good. And so basically, the way in which AZT works is that apparently 
it inhibits the enzyme reverse transcriptase. Right. Which HIV will use to make more of its own DNA to spread. Right. It needs right? to use that to convert its RNA genome to DNA. And according to the movie, it was initially used as a cancer treatment. Yep. And I don't know True. if that's real or not. I didn't look that up. Fuck. I mean, it's not entirely uncommon for drugs to have, like, cross uses. Yeah, it, it makes testing, sense. So it, it makes sense for an explanation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and funnily enough, a lot of dr- drugs that were used to treat cancer like, are also proposed to be used to treat neurological diseases as well because they affect just like protein homeostasis overall to uh, improve conditions in those diseases. But that's not as important. So anyway, I think some important cool facts about ACT is that like in regards to the movie, they use too high of a dose. Yeah. Like they established that. Yeah. Um, so and importantly, like if you use just one uh, antiretroviral medication to treat a uh, disease like HIV, yeah. it can be problematic because like even like a very, very small percentage of the virus could be resistant to it. Right. Right. And because even if it's just like, it does go through mutagenesis. Exactly. Yeah. And if it's continually like, like mutating over generations, it could become resistant. Correct me if I'm wrong, but then you could have that just like one small percentage of a virus that's resistant take over. Yeah. So, which, which is why for HIV today, a, like a like a cocktail of antiretroviral medications yep. are used, right? Yeah, and AZT is actually still used now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually, I think, used pretty commonly for uh, like prophylaxis, um, so to prevent uh, prevent an HIV infection from taking hold in cases where you might contract one. Oh, so okay. A good example is like uh, mother to child transmission. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Um, so so that's so that's that's a thing. And then in the movie, they. They turn AZT into like this conspiracy, like almost like uh, not like government type conspiracy, but yeah. maybe that too to a certain extent. But basically, he Matthew McConaughey interprets AZT as being basically poison, yeah. uh, which it's not. We know that today, like AZT at small doses can be effective. When you use too high a dose of AZT, it doesn't just target the reverse transcriptase for HIV. It will also target the human cells DNA polymerase, which you need. To f- your cells need to function. Yes. Yeah. So. Anytime your cells replicate, DNA polymerase copies your DNA. Yep. So it's Im- which is probably why it was used as an anti anti cancer drug because if it can target replicating cells and kill them, then that is generally what can- chemotherapy treatments do. Yeah, that's and true. I guess in the case of cancer patients, you would feel terrible and probably get have a lot of these negative side effects. But if it killed your tumor. Then yeah, you know, cancer treatments in general are usually pretty terrible for they're, your body. They're anyway. psychotoxic, yes. <laughs> yeah. actually. Yeah. So what the uh, but the again in the movie they frame this as like the pharmaceutical companies are like trying, trying to make money and push their drug really fast. And, right. Like, yeah. We got approval to go ahead with this, and we're just going to do it. And the government's though. like only going to push the the ones that the pharmaceutical companies are pushing because the government's getting money from them, and, right. which does happen too sometimes. Um, but in this case, it's it's not it's wrong. In this case, it actually this is a drug that actually does work. I, I guess we could say like there is some slime in the pharmaceutical world. There but is not in this case. No. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so Maddie Mac tries to get this AZT. They yep. tell him no, you don't qualify for the clinical trial. And even if you did, it's a trial. So some people will be getting a placebo, meaning yeah. they'll just be getting like a sugar pill. Yeah. And because we need to see if this drug works before we can mass produce it and give it to everybody. Yep. Yeah. And obviously, you know, the law-abiding citizen that Matthew McConaughey is, he's like, well, all right, I guess I'm done. No, that's wrong. He's not what he, does. <laughs> he 
tries to illicitly obtain AZT. So what he does is he notices, um, he's at a strip club later, and he notices the janitor from the hospital is there. And so what he does is he essentially makes a deal with him that he will pay him to steal AZT from the supply closet and bring it to him. Yep. yep. And he'll just take it on his own. So he starts doing that for a while. And he's taking a lot of it. He's taking he's, a lot of he's it. He's taking too much. Eating them like candy. With liquor. Yep. And some, cocaine. And cocaine. <laughs> so he's he, he's obviously got some pretty bad habits. A spoonful um, of cocaine helps the ACT go down. <laughs> and he essentially goes through this um, for this month. And you can see, like, Matthew McConaughey's life, like, as he knows it, is unraveling. So, yep. like, his friends don't want to talk to him anymore. Um, so he's also, in the meantime, still getting this AZT, but when he goes to the hospital for this last time to yeah. pick up the AZT, um, the janitor tells him that they're locking it up, and yeah. he gives him the name of a doctor in Mexico that he can go get AZT from. To which Matthew McConaughey is not at all resistant. Yeah, he tries to punch him, and he misses, because he's very, very sick. Super, super sick, <laughs> and he's been downing AZT. Like and cocaine, down. yeah. <laughs> downing AZT and cocaine, yeah. So he collapses, he's in the hospital, and he meets an individual uh, named Rayon, who is played by Jared Leto. Yeah. A quick just disclaimer, in the movie, so Rayon is a trans individual, yep. she's a trans... Trans woman. Woman? Yep. Yeah. Um, and in the movie, everybody refers to her as he, for her pronouns yeah um and it's we don't know if this is because that's what because they're all they want to be identified because as, it's the 80s or if it's because most of the characters in the one because it's the 80s or because most of the characters in the movie are homophobic and you know unaccepting unaccepting yeah so we are going to refer to rayon as they just because we don't actually know the correct pronouns for the character. Yeah, exactly. Um, Sean was listening to the movie like a fucking hawk. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was listening. And because he brought it up just now, and I was like, oh, I have no idea. And they say, they say he the entire time, but again, Rayon never specifically says. They never correct them. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. so That's true. Right. That's true. But back to the plot, uh, Matthew McConaughey meets Rayon, and they are a trans individual, and they also have AIDS. Yep. Um, so they discuss, you know, they are in the ACT clinical trial. Yeah, but Matthew McConaughey is very not down with even talking to them at, at first. Yes. Until <laughs> until they're like, you want to play cards? And then Matthew McConaughey's like, you got any money? Who, <laughs> yeah. who loves to gamble? So fucking he's, loves to gamble. The, gamble yeah. the gambling love trumps all in that situation. <laughs> and eventually it comes out that they're in the ACT trial mm -hmm. and that they're splitting their dose with somebody for money. Yep. Right. Yep. And uh, Matty Mac wants in and they say, no, you, I can't afford to split the dose into thirds. <laughs> I also still need this so yeah. I don't die. Yes. Yeah, they're like, I have but it's also. in actuality, though, it would have been fine because the lower doses yeah. were actually what they needed to be taking because they, they upped the dose in the movie because they want to make sure they're killing the HIV. Right. Or, like, preventing it from, from, from replicating. Yeah. But it actually would have been better to use the lower doses because it's less toxic. Yeah. yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Right. Anyway. Um, so, Maddie Mac leaves the hospital and he... Him and Rayon get back in touch later, but, you know, for now, he kind of goes off on his own. He goes to like, Mexico. I don't have AZT. I need to go get AZT. So he goes to Mexico. So he yep. goes back to his trailer, and people have written a lot of, like, homophobic slurs on it. They've boarded it up. Lock the door. Lock the, the door. And he gets really mad. He's like, I'm still alive. Like, I still live here. And he's yelling. There's this rad scene where we're like, oh, man, this fucking sucks. People are such dicks. And Maddie Max is like, I still fucking live here. And he walks around to the back of his car. Pulls out a shotgun, 
blasts the lock on the door and then kicks it down. And we were like, hell yeah. yeah. The movie <laughs> suddenly became like very John Wick and it was not what, yeah. what it was setting up. And I think it was a sawed-off shotgun because it looked really <laughs> short. Like, yeah. So I think he just had a sawed-off shotgun in, his tr- in the trunk of his car. Yeah. He blasts the door open and then just raids his house for everywhere that he's hidden money. Yeah. Which is apparently a southern thing. I had, I had no idea. Even though I was born in South Carolina. It's definitely a thing. People hide money in different places. Everywhere. Yeah, so... He was, he collects all of his cash yep. and he goes to Mexico. And he's obviously like, he's very, very sick. You know, he was just hospitalized and they told him like, you know, stop doing, stop coke. doing drugs, stop doing coke and drinking yep. and like stealing AZT. Well, he, importantly, he meets a, a doctor who has licenses to practice have been revoked in the U.S. Yep. So this guy is practicing in Mexico now uh, and he tells him, oh, AZT. That stuff's toxic. You don't want to be taking that. You right. should take all these other things, this other, like, smorgasbord of alternative medicine. <laughs> I wrote in my notes, we see a doctor and we immediately learn why he lost his medical license. Yeah, Because he prescribes, like, vitamins. Oh, you should take vitamins and we've got some aloe that you can be taking. And, like, he all but tells him that he should be using crystals to help cure his AIDS. <laughs> yeah. He tells him a bunch of pseudoscience stuff that's not going to help his AIDS. And, but... But on top of that, he does recommend some actual drugs. Right. Yes. So, but the thing is also Matthew McConaughey starts feeling better after this treatment, presumably because the AZT is now out of his system and the coke is out of the system. I was say, and he also stops doing drugs. Well, he's now str- yeah. like basically straight edge. After, after this point, he stops. He's clean now. Basically. Yeah. yeah right. I think he still will drink, but not like excessive right. like he used right. to. Right. He's stopping all of the psychostimulants that he was previously taking. He convinces the doctor to give him a shitload of drugs, mm-hmm. including, something, including something called peptide tea, which we can talk about. Um, and he gets pulled over by border controller when he's headed back through the border. Yes. Uh, he unexpectedly displays the acting prowess of actual Maddie Mac uh, <laughs> when he dons a priestly costume. Uh, and claims that he has cancer and that all of the drugs that are that he has with him are to help cure his cancer, even though he has, like, maybe 50 boxes worth of AIDS drugs. Yeah. Right? Um, and the cop only sort of buys it and lets him go and tells him, like, if you find out you're selling these, you're going to federal prison yeah. because right. it's illegal. Because yeah. he's, he's allowed to have a personal dose. Yeah. So he said, this is all for me. And they're like, we don't believe you, but we can't. We can't prove otherwise. So, exactly. Exactly. So. Uh, and he says, all right, all right, a lot. Yeah, all right. <laughs> bless you. Bless, bless you, bless, son. Bless you. All right, all right. He, uh, <laughs> once he gets back, he hooks back up with Rayon, and he and Rayon... Oh, wait, no, actually, he tries yeah. to do it by himself. Yeah, he starts... He's trying to do it on his own. He's trying to sell these drugs. <laughs> he's doing... It, he's trying to sell drugs to... Just to the gay, t- gay community. Yeah. Not even to just people with AIDS. He just walks around and talks to people he deems to be LGBTQ... And tries to sell them AIDS drugs, which you can imagine does not work well, no. especially not coming from Maddie Mac, no. who he won't even go inside of a gay club because gay people disgust him because he's a homophobe. Yes. Yeah. But he's trying to make money. You see the irony of this entire situation. Exactly. So he's making absolutely zero money whatsoever until he finally runs back into Rayon. Rayon comes into his car and basically says, uh, do you have enough money or do you have enough for 20 of us? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he's like, yeah, sure, you got cash. And they basically just go, oh, you know what, never mind. And just <laughs> yeah. gets out of his car. Nah, fuck you, you're a homophobe. Yeah. <laughs> well, and she, al- and then she, al- but she also wants a cut of the profit that well, he makes, right? Yes, yeah, so that that's, is also that's, true. That's right. So as they are walking away from the car, 
Uh, Matthew McConaughey is driving after Rayon and essentially says, like, what do you, you want me to cut you in? They're right? yelling percentages out the window at each other. <laughs> <laughs> they land on 25%. So Rayon essentially is going to get the customers mm-hmm. and Maddie Max going to get the drugs. <laughs> and then they are cut in for 25%. Yeah. Um, I will, I will say initially I was kind of surprised, uh, whenever they were arranging this deal because I was like, because I was thinking, there's no way that, that Rayon, how does Rayon just, just like know so many people that just like happen to have HIV? But then I realized the epidemic, I didn't realize how widespread the epidemic was. Yeah. At that time. Well, not only that, but like Rayon is in the LGBTQ community in a shitty redneck town. Yeah. So you True. can assume that like they all go to the same gay bar. Yeah. Right. Because there's only one in their town. Right. right. So yeah. she knows, they know everyone. It's, yeah. And there's probably even a, a smaller subsection of the community that is like out, so to speak, at that time yeah. as well, especially in Texas. Yeah. Uh, so you'd be more likely to know everybody who's, who, yeah. uh, who's who, a part of the community. Yeah. Also, like, Rayon is more readily identifiable with the people that uh, Maddie Mac is trying to market these drugs to. Yeah. So, like, Rand can go up to people and be like, oh, I know someone that you know, you know, just, like, yeah. more someone that will help keep not, you from dying. Not just like, hey, I'm a strange guy with a cowboy hat and a drug problem and I want to sell you some drugs. Don't like, touch me, but you want some drugs. Yeah, yeah. right. It's yeah. very... It doesn't work. He's very off-putting. So they end up forming this business together. They yes. call it the Dallas Buyers Club. Right. Which, if you've been paying attention, is the name of the film. Well, and he... <laughs> How'd they do that? He bases it off of, uh, apparently, news that there are others, other buyers clubs in other states. So like New York, yeah. LA. And Instead of stuff. selling the drugs specifically, what they do is you sell a membership mm-hmm. to the club, for and then you get the drugs for free. So you're not selling drugs... You have a club and you're giving the drugs away. Yep. Right. So it's a little more like, you know, trying to sidestep some legal yep. red tape, I guess. Whatever you got to do. And he does a lot. My dude, yeah. that, basically at this point uh, in the movie, there is just this queued up drug buying montage mm-hmm. where he travels the land purchasing all sorts of different uh, drugs in order to basically create, like as you described, Pace, a cocktail in order to give patients. So they'd be taking individual things, all combating different aspects of the HIV virus. Yep. And during this time, Maddie Mac's character, Ron, is actually doing active research on whatever HIV research is being done in the U.S. or outside the U.S. And he's basing his treatments, quote-unquote, that he's giving to people off of that information. Right. Um, so in on a way... global scale. Yeah, exactly. So in a way... The movie is basically saying that, and and again, some of this is hyperbole, obviously, but the movie is saying that because Maddie Mac doesn't have to rely on going through the red tape of setting up trials and FDA approval, he's able to gather more information and do more quote-unquote research about what's useful for treatment than the U.S. FDA is because they keep pushing this AZT treatment. Right. Sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, because he's basically testing all this on himself, too. Yeah. He's, he's doing that. All the drugs. I mean, it is there are this situation displays the the potential downside of having a highly regulated. Uh, what's the best way to describe it? Just the the high level of regulation that the U.S. has for drugs that are approved for over the counter and prescription yeah. use. I mean, it's it's not for. I mean, and. and not for not a good reason, right? Like, it's I mean, for a very good reason. reason why that we do um, this. We have to go through all sorts of safety protocols and mm-hmm. testing and things like that yes. before you can deliver potential things that will potentially just kill people or have long-term effects yeah. on a wide scale. Right. Yep. I mean, that's why we even have doctors and pharmacists who right, have exactly. licensed to distribute it and stuff. You can't even just pick it. Even if something is 
theoretically not toxic for you to take, or like it would be only toxic at very high doses, you still have to get pharmacists yeah. to give it to you most of the time. Now, but that said, if there there are no laws against this, and this actually comes into play in the gene therapy and uh, in gene therapy treatment a lot, there are no laws against you making something and giving it to yourself to try and treat something. Right. Um, so there's been a lot of uh, instances recently of people creating their own gene therapy vectors because the vectors aren't through clinical trial yet and injecting themselves with the vector in an effort to treat their disease. Right. And the only limiting factor to that is that you have to have a shitload of money. Yeah. Well, because you can't... Because your insurance won't pay for it. Exactly. Because your insurance only pays for things that are FDA approved. And you can't pay other companies to do it. So you basically form your own LLC and make your own drug and stick it in your body. Yeah. Right. And you obviously can't do it using... like You know, we're all scientists and, you know, some of us might arguably be able to go in a lab and generate a viral vector that could be used for gene therapy. Or <laughs> yes. uh, clone dinosaurs! But because it's federally funded with grant money, we can't use it. Yeah. Right. Instead, we're just using all your tax dollars to uh, look at fruit flies or whatever bullshit people None say. None of us work on fruit flies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is really a thing, a theme that comes up a lot in this movie is that one of the main arguments that Matthew McConaughey makes is that he not only is treating these patients, he wants to treat himself with these AIDS medications. Yeah. And he is saying that, like, you know, it's my right to be able to take whatever I want, even yes. if it's not FDA approved. Mm -hmm. You know, the gray area is that he's giving it to other people, but a lot of the argument is that they're taking it away from him, even his own personal supply. And he's like, you know, I have the right to be able to use this. And that actually pretty succinctly yeah. sums up the rest of the latter half of the movie. It does. The FDA and the DEA are haranguing him the entire time, and eventually they end up auditing him, um, and they also eventually show up and they confiscate his entire inventory. Yep. Um, because there's an announcement um, that details that any drug in the U.S. that is unapproved by the FDA is illegal for distribution, which means he can't even have his club and not charge people for drugs, charge people for a membership, but he can't even do that anymore because he's distributing it to other right. people and he's not a licensed medical professional. So he has to go back to doing shady shit in order to sell drugs again. Right. And they say that you need, you can take un FDA approved medications, but it needs to be prescribed to you by a physician. Yep. And so he's trying to get physicians to prescribe it. No one wants to no because they do don't it. want to risk their medical license, yeah. which obviously makes sense because yep. if you're prescribing something that isn't approved, it's not approved because there haven't been all the studies put forth to make a good case for its approval. Yeah. So people don't want to prescribe something that is not fully studied because it could harm people. Okay, so at this point, throughout the rest of the film, uh, Matthew McConaughey's character is basically in just like this constant legal battle with the FDA yep. about being able to distribute the drugs that he has. A game of and Captain's House. A game of cat and mouse, and also just because he wants to... It's not even just for his customers, it's because he wants to treat himself as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, th this is going on throughout the entire rest of the film, but eventually, uh, he gets very, very close to Rayon, and they have a very, very... Uh, Bonnie and Clyde relationship. Yeah, they do, and like, you, yeah. but you also just... You see the growth of Matthew McConaughey's character as he becomes closer to Rayon, and he becomes more accepting yeah. of people in the LGBT, LGBTQ community. Um, and there's actually this really interesting moment where he's shopping at the uh, at the grocery store, and he comes across his old friend, TJ, yep. right? And he's with Rayon. And uh, he, he tries to introduce Rayon to his friend TJ, and TJ's being a homophobe is not about it. Yeah. Uh, and so Matty Mac basically physically forces his friend TJ 
to, well, quote unquote, friend TJ at yeah, this point, his right? His former friend His TJ. former friend TJ into shaking, into shaking Rayon's hand. He literally puts him in a headlock. Yeah. And it's like, shake his, shake her fucking hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, Do it, TJ. that moment kind of exemplifies the social growth and, and personal growth that, uh, that Maddie Mac has gone through throughout the film. Um, but eventually Rayon, uh, succumbs to AIDS. Yeah. Uh, which is a very sad moment in the film. The last thing they do, because Maddie Mac is strapped for cash and he's trying to get drugs to people, is that Rayon goes home to their dad, who is also a homophobe, big yes. surprise, um, and says, uh, I want to do one last thing for somebody who's done a lot of good for me. Yes. Which is, they sell their life insurance policy, bringing the, the money to Maddie Mac. Right. Um, and then they die. Yeah. 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 It's really um, sad. And it was very sad. It was yeah. very, very sad. This movie was not a happy movie. No, no, no. I <laughs> was very upset for most of it. Yeah. And they, they do take uh, uh, Rayon to the hospital, and supposedly they start um, they start on AZT yeah. whenever uh, whenever they get to the hospital, and this kind of reinforces the kind of... Right. She dies very immediately afterward, and then Maddie Mac interprets this as it was AZT that, again, is a problem here in this situation. Yeah, he goes to the hospital, and he... Uh, he starts yelling at um, the of the two doctors that were treating treating him. Angry doctor played by uh, Dennis O'Hare uh, accosts him and calls him a murderer and yeah. a bunch of children. Yeah. And yeah, says, was, Don't let him treat your kids; he'll kill them. Like Don't let him kill your family. Yeah, yeah, just yelling. Um, and then, so really, the rest of the movie is just again he's in this embattlement and um, with the FDA. And you can tell, like, his character has turned around. Like, before he was turning people away if they didn't have the money because he was like, I'm not running a charity. You yeah. know, I'm running a business. And by the end, you can tell, like... He's just giving people he's drugs. He's giving people drugs, even though the FDA is taking his supply because he actually cares about the yep. community that he's involved with now. And, you know, he's become much more sympathetic and, you know, just become a better person in general. Yeah. Um, and then the movie essentially just ends with him... Uh, I guess, should we get to the end of the movie? Yeah, that's right? fine. Yeah, We're just going to summarize sort of the last latter half. Um, but, you know, the movie ends with him riding a bull, and then it just stops, and there's a few, like, word blurbs that are flashed across the screen yeah. saying, like, I think he lived, like, seven years. Yeah, he's post-diagnosis. Yeah. Which they said he only had 30 days left. He actually, so the, the implication as well, or what they say is that despite the fact that he was embattled with the FDA in order to try and Treat get himself. them to approve him to be able to take, yeah, exactly, peptide T himself, they eventually give him the option to take peptide T, so they, they let him do they it. They let him take it for um, himself, yeah. He, but he they died d- in 1992. Wow. That's, yeah. But they do not let him give it to people still. Yeah. So, so yeah. how does peptide T, how, so why was peptide T effective for combating HIV? So you're asking me what the mechanism mechanism of action for yeah. yeah. So I think now that like we finished the plot, this was one of the he takes a lot of different drugs during this whole movie. But yeah. peptide T is one of the ones that comes up a lot. So we did a little bit of research into what peptide T is. Yeah. So uh, the peptide T is a peptide refers to a short chain of amino acids. Um, a much longer chain is often referred to a protein, which make up proteins in yeah, general. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, the peptide is derived from an HIV envelope protein. It's known as GP20, envelope meaning the outer covering of the HIV capsid or the HIV virus mm-hmm. container itself. Um, this peptide is effective in blocking the binding and infection of viral strange, strains that use a specific receptor 
to infect T cells. Right. So there's a receptor known as this is just a there's a little bit more minutia, but there's a receptor known as CCR five. Uh, it's Clearwater Revival Five. Uh, <laughs> I think it's chemokine. It's oh, yeah, like, it's chemokine receptor type five. Yeah. Yes. So this is on the outside of uh, white blood cells that are part of the immune system. Yep. Um, uh, a lot of HIV variants recognize this. Um, the GP120 derived peptide T prevents the binding of CCR5 by HIV. Right. Um, so that way you can't infect spell cells and spread the infection. And actually a fun little fact is that there was a uh, clinical trial done for, I believe, leukemia in Berlin, maybe like eight years ago, where they took a patient at, who was also positive for HIV and they replaced all of his bone marrow in order to try and treat his leukemia with, uh, they did a bone marrow transplant with, with um, cells that were CCR5 negative, and they showed that he could not be reinfected with HIV and his infection would not spread because the strain that he had was one that bound to that receptor and none of his cells had it anymore. Right. So this is actually the only patient that has been cured. I think, compl- I think the only completely patient completely cured. Completely cured, yeah. Because most of the time what you're doing is... So, again, so some of the clinical distinctions, like HIV is the virus, and then AIDS is the disease caused by the virus. Right, right. And you can have an HIV infection and not develop AIDS. Yep. Because if you know, then you take all the antiretroviral medicine, and before you digress to the point where you're actually getting disease-like symptoms, you're keeping the virus at bay. Because it's, it's, it's also important to note that the virus is not technically what kills you. I mean, the virus's presence is, is what kills you, but you get secondary infections because you have a compromised immune system, and those things kill you. So you can die of, like, pneumonia because you have AIDS. And I don't know if we specifically mentioned this, but HIV specifically infects T-cells, which are a type of immune cell. And, you know, your immune system is just responsible for keeping foreign antigens, you know, out of your body. Or killing them, like any viruses or bacteria and stuff like that. And... When they're gone, <laughs> when you're when HIV is infecting your T cells, it's killing the T cells. Yeah. Right. And if you don't have any T cells, you can't fight off any infections. And if you don't have an immune system, you're going to die from something. So in case that's how peptide T works. And that's, oh, good. <laughs> and that's the rest of the story. <laughs> which is which is why, of course, whenever that happens, it leads to what AIDS stands for, which is acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. Yep. Right. Yes. Yep. To just round it all up here. Heck yeah. Nice little um, package. I did want to say one more thing. God damn it. Because I thought it was really interesting in the movie. <laughs> All right. His friend, the cop, what's his name? Uh, Marty Rubble or whatever we're calling play, him. Isn't he played by Steve Zahn? Mm-hmm. I've seen him before. Tucker, yeah. Steve Zahn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Boom. Nice. Good job. Dab noise. Yeah, he doesn't have the I IMDb that, yeah. page open. Um, I don't. I'm looking at Peptide T. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't know that. Uh, his So there's a little side plot where his friend Tucker, the cop, his says that his father is dying from uh, Alzheimer's disease. And Matthew McConaughey gives him peptide T to give to his father, saying mm, this will right. help his Alzheimer's disease. Yeah. So there's a lot of, like, sort of pseudoscientific arguments going on in this movie where, like, Matthew McConaughey keeps saying, oh, peptide T is a non-toxic protein. Like, the fact that it's a protein means that it's not toxic, which is just, like, not true by any not necessarily true. Yeah, it has um, nothing to do with its toxicity. Yeah, it's the word, just what it is. The it's word non toxic almost means nothing, right? To a degree, <laughs> and he gives it to his friend to treat his father's Alzheimer's disease. Right. So peptide T is it's 
an analog of the AIDS envelope protein. Yeah. So in when we were watching this movie, my initial thought was that this should why the hell do nothing for all yeah, yeah. It has this has no bearing. This is like fake news pseudoscience that Matthew McConaughey is well, using. Yeah. But we did find some evidence showing that because it messes with the interaction of the CCR5 receptor, it can actually like modulate immune activity in the brain yeah so if you have like neurodegenerative diseases like alzheimer's that are causing inflammation in the brain meaning an an active immune response Mm -hmm. this could help suppress that so there is some evidence showing that peptide t could be used for that and the movie ran with it the movie actually ran with which you know was not readily evident but i wanted to bring it up since we are a science podcast and i thought that was a pretty and that's that minutia baby yeah that's the minutia that's it you did it. All right, Pace, we can finally turn it over to you. I don't even remember what you're talking about. All right. Let's rate this bad boy. Not yet. Quiet, Sean. First, we got an ad from some of our buddies that we got to run. Oh, cool. Oh, that we get to run. We are privileged to run. Well, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. And listen to some ads. Bow, bow. I want to start reading comic books. Where the hell do I start? How do I tell my friends that I don't want to talk while in the bathroom? Is it okay for me to play bagpipes in the mountains? What's a Hitachi magic wand? Which fictional monster is the sexiest? We are Nerdy Bits Podcast, and we're here to turn your nerd problems into wisdom and glorious information to make you a stronger, nerdy force to be reckoned with. Ask us for advice on video gaming, makeup, relationships, the bedroom, and what the heck young kids are up to these days, because we might not even know that. My bedroom has a race car bed. (laughs) We address the burning questions your friends are too shy to discuss with you. You can find Nerdy Bits Podcasts on iTunes wherever podcasts are roaming free. And don't forget to check them nerdy bits. They get so dirty nerdy nerdy bits. (laughs) They're nasty. They're nasty. Wow, that was great. We have such great friends. <laughs> <laughs> and how. And how. Anyway, as we were saying, Pace. Alright, let's rate this for real. Okay. Pace, you first. Okay. Well, science. Yes. In this film. Four out of five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My main problem, based on what I know, which is not everything. I know some things, though. My main problem, based on what I know, is just... The conspiracy theory aspects yeah. of AZ, of the, of the AZT, because it was kind of the main centerpiece drug of the movie, right? Yeah. Uh, when, and it's the one that is misinterpreted the most. Yeah. So that was kind of a problem, whereas AZT is safe at lower doses to, tr- to lower doses to treat HIV. What about entertainment? Entertainment, five out of five. Yeah. Yeah. I was debating between four and five out of five. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was really, really well done. Uh, it must have been, difficult to make on multiple levels like it must have been i mean i'm not an actor but i'm gonna imagine that portraying these roles would have been emotionally taxing yeah at times uh and they both in my opinion uh matthew mcconaughey jennifer garner jared leto i think they all did good jobs portraying their roles in the film as we said uh i'm i don't know a whole lot about about the trans community and how trans characters should be portrayed and what's accurate but for the for the film itself and her inter- and uh, their interactions with Matthew McConaughey, I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, they had a good on-screen chemistry. Yes. And so that's it for me. 
I'm going to give the science a three out of five. Okay. Uh, it's because of the same reasons that Pace said. I just think that they take a little more toll because I think the movie overall was fantastic. Yeah. So entertainment, it's a five out of five. It's a great movie. Yeah. Everybody yeah. should watch I'll it. I'll go ahead and give it a five out of five. Yeah, too. it's a five out of five. <laughs> but if we really look at the science, a lot of his, aside from like the specific drugs they discuss, like peptide T and AZT, even like, He's really pushing a lot of pseudoscience, like take these vitamins, they're gonna yeah. help you. And it's not that it's not that they're gonna hurt you, it's just that the conspiracy theory aspects seem very like non-scientific to me. Yeah. It just seemed like oops. <laughs> it just seemed bad. I don't know. Yeah. I, I didn't think it was valid. I have a big problem with the Hollywood portrayal of scientists as money grubbing assholes. Uh, no, scientists. Yeah, I was gonna say because for starters, nobody gives us any money ever. Yeah. So, scientists uh, or pharmaceutical companies. I mean, either. Like, I mean, yes, there's corruption in the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, fucking Mike Wazowski or whatever his name was is uh, and Martin Anthony, Anthony Weiner. <laughs> no, it's Mike Wazowski's better. Um, <laughs> do you say Anthony Weiner? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, there's there's a classic case there, right? Yeah. So, but I, I think a lot of times scientists are seen as like maniacal and self serving and, and all right. that stuff and. This movie did have a problem with taking a person who was doing their own research, and that's important, and trying to help people by working around a system that is difficult to work with in the, in the first place. Yeah. But taking that character and making making them a pillar of scientific understanding, um, and which is fine, but in doing so, bringing down the process by which we conduct research, or by which we conduct clinical trials. Like... And they, they've made the clinical trial process out to be the monsters when really what happened is that, oh, shit, this drug may actually cure HIV. Let's try and fast track it. Let's get it through so that we can get people taking AZT. Yeah. It turns out they were taking too much, but, I mean, they didn't have a lot of time to test everything. Right. right. I mean, they were inferring the dose because they didn't have any data, enough data on it, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I, I had the same problem with the movie as well. Yeah. Um, so what's your rating? I'm going to give the science four out of five. I thought, um, well, I think the thing is, is like, despite the fact that uh, there was some talk of pseudoscience in the film, it's not pushed too much as hard science. But, but also, that's what would have happened back then. Yeah, like, that's what I was about to say. I think he says peptide T is a non-toxic protein too many times for me to give it a 4 out of 5. Yeah, that's fair. That's, <laughs> that's why I gave it a 3 out of 5. Yeah, that, I, like, I think we all have fair. the same quarrels with like what the the pseudoscience was in it. Yeah. But I just, to me, it was like pushed too much that he was like... The fact that he was wanting people to... Wanting the FDA to trust him and be like, trust my research... This is non-toxic. Those not how two things yeah. are like they don't go hand in hand. Like nothing is absolutely non-toxic. I was gonna say non-toxic also work. means absolutely nothing unless it's stated in the context under which of therapeutic dose, doses right? of something are taken. Yes, right. exactly. Everything is toxic if you take too much of it. Yes, right. especially except when... love. Oh, except love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't have enough of that. Can't you know why? Stuff. It's not real. Whoa! Oh, damn what? <laughs> but oxytocin <laughs> is think, real. I think you mean it's not tangible. Sure, it is still the greatest power in the universe. Real. Sure, the greatest power. We also mentioned that I would have an interview with my sister. Um, I think we're going to put that at the end of the episode. So yeah. if the episode length looks a little long to you, it's because there's an interview at the end. So if you are interested in listening to a trans individual's perspective on the portrayal of a trans person in the movie. Please listen to the end of the episode Heck because yeah. we have that interview there for you. Thank you. Yeah. 
So now let's do our listener questions really quick because I think we have a few, right? Yeah, and we it's, do. Uh, I want to say like maybe eighty nine degrees in your apartment right now. It's and really, I don't want to be in here. You know what? I don't curse often. It's fucking hot. It's in fucking here. hot in here, Sean. <laughs> really My butt hot. is melting. My butt is on fire. I'm wearing an undershirt. Are you wearing a tank you have top? a button down shirt on? Yeah. What are you doing? I just wanted to look nice. Sean got dressed up for our podcast. Yeah, I just wanted to look nice for once. Are we posting this on Instagram because I look good? I will. I'll just post a picture of just your face. <laughs> just be sweating. <laughs> Pace, why don't you read some questions while I take a picture of Sean's beautiful mug? Okay, so first, we got a couple questions from an Anthony Martinez. Thank you very much for your questions, Anthony. Uh, the first one of these is regarding a music... Uh, well, sorry. A movie suggestion. Back to the, fu- uh, back to the Future. Uh, talking about the differences in technology and how they were interpreted back when the movie was made versus how they would be interpreted now. So we're going to take that into consideration and possibly do... Back to the future in the future. Ha <laughs> um, And also, <laughs> he also gave us a second question. Uh, this was regarding the movie The Happening. And so, if you recall the movie The Happening, people die in, from killing themselves because of this weird airborne toxin that plants release, right? <laughs> which Plant is, pheromones. Which is yeah. so <laughs> stupid. And he said, um, would it be more interesting or plausible uh, if this symptom would be actually stemmed from an experiment trying to cure toxoplasmosis. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Well, okay, wait. So there, I know that there's a link between toxoplasmosis and altered behavior in people. Like there's, a, yeah, sure. There's like, I don't think it's all everyone who has a toxoplasmosis infection, but like one of the reasons why toxoplasmosis Infections from toxoplasmosis are often referred to as crazy cat lady syndrome. Is one yes. because you get it from you can get it from cat litter, but two because there's ev- again there's evidence that it alters behavior. So right. maybe that's where that connection is. From. And then that might be where he's getting this from. Yeah, because yeah. it I mean it it is more plausible than being spread around by evolving plants that are trying to kill people. I think anything's more plausible than the <laughs> yeah, actual yeah. plot of the happening yes. because like it just didn't make any sense no. scientifically. So. I mean scientists trying to cure a disease and it going awry is something that's used in Hollywood a lot. I mean I am legend is a great example. Yes. Right. Turned people into vampire yeah. zombies. And it's yeah. something that Zampires. is I guess more realistic. Obviously in like Hollywood movies it's always over dramatized, but it is possible that like scientists would be trying to treat something and make it worse. Yeah, absolutely. And he actually mentions in his question something akin to uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yes. Um, in which yes. they use a similar airborne something in order to try and treat a disease. Um, and I think that gave us the idea for the next movie we're going to watch, um, which I won't spoil now. We'll mention it in a bit. Okay, okay. then. All right. All right. How about some more questions? So... Another question that we got was from... The Facebook one? Yeah, on Facebook. Uh, from Curtis Ryan DeGroth. Thank you, Merman. Um, Thank you, Merman. And that question is, what's the most significant medical slash scientific advancement that has come about as a result of finally trying to cure and understand HIV AIDS? Wow. That's a... It's a big, That's a big question, question because it's like 40 years of research at this point. It is. Yeah. It's, I, I wouldn't say, and this is my interpretation. You guys can give yours as well. I don't, I don't know if there's one like time point where it was like, Oh, this discovery did it. I think yeah. that it has been the accumulation of the discovery of effective antiretroviral medications that are now today used together yeah. to combat HIV. Yeah, combinatorial therapies is definitely a big one for that one in, yes. in treatment disease. I think also the concept of instead of trying to fully cure something, if we can manage it 
to the level that you can extend your quality of life, yeah. then that is like almost as good. So like with HIV, we use multiple drugs all treat, treating at the same time because they attack different parts of the vet retroviral life cycle. And instead of like with every drug, you're going to get some sort of negative side effect if you use too much. Right. So instead of using high doses of a drug and trying to eradicate the yeah. infection, you just use manageable doses of a bunch of different drugs and just keep it maintained at a low level. And we're at the point now where if caught and consistently treated, at least in first world contexts, uh, HIV and HIV infection is no longer a death sentence for people who get it. Uh, Ron Woodruff died uh, after seven years and after like very aggressively trying to treat his own disease. But now uh, people who specialize in HIV or doctors who have patients who have HIV are having to talk to their patients about things like high cholesterol mm -hmm. because they might die from things that old people die from right. instead of what an AIDS patient may have died from 20 years ago. Um, I think the average lifespan for... Maybe maybe not average is the right anticipated word. lifespan. Anticipated yeah. lifespan for a person with HIV uh, who is treated is like seventy five. Yeah, um, which pretty is, pretty up there at this point. Which yeah. is about what you know the life expectancy is of right. someone without AIDS. That's of course not to say that we're going to stop researching it and trying to get rid of the damn thing. Right, but. because it's still also a huge issue in places that might not have access to the same medications, mm -hmm. and also you know retroviruses are used for a lot of other scientific applications. Yeah. Um, which we don't really have to get into, but, you know, we work on gene therapy and retroviruses were initially and are still used now for gene therapy viral vectors. We'll, so. we'll probably eventually do a special episode on gene therapy and we'll get into that a little bit. So. I mean, we did do Gattaca, but we're going to do a... We're going to get more in depth. depth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, more, yeah. so we're gonna, I'll give my thesis defense. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just right. kidding. <laughs> I don't want, want to do that. <laughs> so, like, even more basic science on how retroviruses yeah. work is useful on, on multiple fronts, not just for HIV. Yeah. yeah. So thank um, you for your question. We have one more. One last one. This one is from Bart Struid, Bart Hoffman. Yours questions from Trees. Uh, he said, listen, guys. Oh, okay. The email is titled, you fail in all caps. Cool. Uh, listen, guys, this is a big deal, and I cannot believe you glossed over it. In your recap of Limitless, you mentioned that he's running for senator, and you assume that he's Republican because of the color of his tie. This is absurd. Red is a common color for both, for a politician, both Republican and Democrat alike. I included a chart of presidential debate tie colors that I'm sure will interest you greatly. It's a very even split in colors. If you wanted to guess on his party, you'd better be, you, you'd better assume Democrat by the fact that he had enough hair to get cut. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I would, Slash I would assume Republican because he also was a stock market, like, investor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I, I would assume so, too. Also, Bart was kind enough to include data. Um, uh, he gave us a chart. Ties worn by candidates in presidential debates from 1976 to 2016. Bart, I'm countering your bullshit with the fact that he was sitting in an office. and not He was not at a debate. debate. He was in his casual everyday wear. He wasn't wearing his debate tie. And part. everybody knows that when Republicans are in their casual non-debate wear, they're you know, wearing all red. They've it's got, basically pajamas. <laughs> yeah. They've got red pajamas. red undies. Yeah. They've got red socks, red pants. Red me undies. Get red us. me undies. Uh, get at us. Uh, red, you know, red ties, of course. Yeah. And um, red. Red hair. Hair. Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's got more of a, a, a sandy lack of hair. Yeah. Ooh, nice. More like wispy. Wispy. This is the hair from my but, ass hair. <laughs> okay. 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 We're, we're digressing. But anyway, okay. so Bart, thank you for your question. Uh, even though and it's you're totally, totally right. off we base should. and that he, you have no idea what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> this but, is, no, this is Bart's field. We, we can't come from I don't know. I mean, it's Bart's field, but he's just, you know, he's totally making this up as he goes. But, I mean, we are the qualified Yeah, we're the qualified professionals. Sorry, Bart. Get a microphone and then people will listen to you. Thanks, Bart Struid. Just kidding. We should have a Politicast. Bart, I'm just kidding. I've never actually met Bart. I was going to say, let's let's not... Bart, let's not uh, get mad at people for asking us. I can't remember if Bart it's plays. Bart. I, I can't remember if Bart <laughs> plays or just likes hockey, but I assume either one means he could kick your ass. So we should like. I don't know. He he's. I mean, he probably play, he probably plays hockey. Oh, I also stuff. wanted to say that I have been Michael Pace saying this the entire time. He, oh, he, yeah. he does a really good shot. I do a really good shot impression. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he can tell my voice from yours. Well, I can tell you that people often can't tell Sean and my voices apart for some reason. <laughs> I thought that we sound really similar. Okay, so thank you everybody for the questions. Yep. Uh, again, listen for the interview, and yep. I hope you guys enjoyed the ad we did of our friends' podcast. If you like our podcast, you'll probably like their podcast. So yeah. You should check it out. You should check them out. Um, speaking of which, if you want to help us climb that ladder, the absolute best possible thing you can do for us is to uh, pick up your phone, uh, get on iTunes, find our podcast. And then rate and review it. Leave us a five-star rating, and that helps us get up there on the list. People can see us more. Um, and I especially want to thank the uh, folks over at the Two Girls on a Bench podcast um, for leaving a review recently. Really yes. appreciate it. Thank you. We really because appreciate it. it helps. Oh, and if you don't have an iPhone, find the nearest friend who has an iPhone, steal their phone, and do it anyway. Exactly. I mean, it only takes about, like, two clicks to do it, right? Yep. Like, the same amount of clicks it takes to like our Facebook page, you can go on iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Okay. Yep. You just hop cool. on and go two thumbs way up. All right. Two big thumbs. I will make sure to go write the show. <laughs> oh, good. Great shot. <laughs> eh, you know what? I'm fine with that. That's, sure. <laughs> Speaking of the internet, well, I'm not, I don't know why I'm looking at you, Sean Pace. Where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at Michael C. Pace on Twitter, where I will interact with you all day, every day. Heck yeah. You can find our podcast at Real Science Cast on Twitter. Yes. Uh, we have a Facebook page. You can also hop on and ask us questions there. Uh, or you can send us an email at realsciencecast at gmail.com. I can be found at LOL Kennan on pretty much every form of media. Sean will answer you on the Facebook page. <laughs> I will monitor the Facebook page and I will answer your questions. Sean has a Twitter, but it's really just sort of a vestigial Twitter. <laughs> I've made it on like a dare. Like it's not <laughs> a real Twitter that I use. So, is, that is that what we get? Yeah, I think that's it. The next movie we are going to watch is... Rise of the Planet of the Apes. We're going to hop away from uh, the specialty on this half of the table, which is virology, and go back over to Pace's side and talk a little bit about neurodegenerative diseases. Um, keep in mind, this was the James Franco movie that was made in 2011, not the original Planet of the Apes. So, I mean, you can go watch all of them if you want. I don't care. But or we're covering that one specifically. Yeah. Or any of the spinoffs that they've done. Right. It's like just- uh, Planet of the Apes Christmas. <laughs> or uh, or uh, Star Trek colon Planet, Planet of, the of the Apes. Apes. No, yeah. it was good. Or no, it was good. Um, Yikes colon It's Planet of the Apes, which is the Halloween special. Oh yeah. Or yeah. or we're not also not going to review the serial. Oops, all apes. Oops, <laughs> all apes. <laughs> yes. There was also the Fiddler on the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> that was the a apes. good one too. <laughs> it was good too. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So we're doing Rise of the Planet of the Apes, 2011, starring James Franco and a bunch of CGI monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> Uncredited. Uh, I mean, no, 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 no. 
apes. Sean. Chimpanzees. They're but, apes. But monkeys is like a larger... There are also uh, some monkeys in the movie, so... Yeah, but they're apes. And orang... And orang- apes orang- do not incorporate monkeys. And gorillas. Okay. There's also a cat in the film. <laughs> okay. It's an anthropomorphic <laughs> cat, too, I mean, right? You normally do it first, so... My name is Kenneth Smith. I'm Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. You guys are stealing my thunder. (laughs) Okay. So, hey, Real Science listeners. Um, If you're listening to this, this is the interview with uh, Gabby Crossan. Say hi, Gabby. Hello. And uh, the reason we are doing this interview, I believe we stated in the episode, but... um, we just watched Dallas Buyers Club, and uh, Jared Leto plays the role of Rayon in the movie, who is a uh, trans individual. And, you know, uh, Kenan, Pace, and I, being three cis, straight, white men, uh, don't really know a lot about this topic, and we didn't really want to comment on it without speaking with an individual who is part of the trans community. So that's why I'm interviewing my sister, Gabrielle, because... Uh, sibling? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. See, exactly. We actually, Gav, you can you can school me on this later because we talked about this during the show. Um, did you <laughs> notice during the movie what pronouns Rayon was referred to by? Yes, yes. <laughs> it was always he, him, and it was, I guess, like fitting of the time period because it's not now and people weren't as respectful of pronouns. <laughs> yeah, we were actually wondering this because I was watching, paying attention, and we would we were assuming that Rayon would want to be referred to as uh, she, her pronouns mm-hmm. because she fronts as femme. But in the movie, everybody refers to Rayon by he. And we were kind of wondering the same thing, if that's like a thing of the time period and that the, the other characters really just don't empathize or understand I don't know. What did you think? I, yeah, I kind of like, I honestly, I was like, I was a little like, I was quick to like defend her. Like, even when I was talking about her afterwards, like I corrected dad and I was like, uh, you know, it's she, her, even though like in the movie, they didn't say anything about it and they didn't, they didn't use the correct ones, but also like Rayon never was like, this is what I, you know, these are the pronouns that I want or anything. Call me this. Like she didn't seem very offended but i guess i feel like trans people of that uh it's because it's in the 80s right and so yeah it's set in like 85 i believe yeah and i guess i feel like there was a lot of like also confusion about like the drag culture and trans culture and there was some like crossing there like at the time so i don't think anyone necessarily understood and i i guess like rayon probably wasn't offended because it's probably what like she got all the time, probably even in the LGBT community. <laughs> so Right. So during our recording, we actually tried to refer to Rayon as they because she, like they did not specify pronouns, right? I mean, obviously it's a fictional character, but when yeah. referring to her, that that's what we did. Obviously, we didn't do a perfect job of it. I'm sure we messed up a few times because it can be difficult, I guess, to keep that in mind, especially when someone doesn't explicitly tell you that it's just sort of based on supposition, but yeah, 
No, that's very, yeah, that's very cool. (laughs) I should probably be using they too because they never said anything specific about she, her stuff or like, I guess, Rayon's specific identity. So yeah, that's a good... (laughs) That that was, that was, yeah, that was what we guessed what we should do, but you know, we're not very skilled in this area. Yeah, but you guys seem very, you guys are, you're respectful of like what's what's going on and everything like that well, so. well thanks we try to be <laughs> yes i really wanted to ask you some stuff about how do you thought that uh jared leto who was the actor that played uh rayon um do you think he did a good job you know playing a trans character in the movie yeah i thought honestly i thought he did an amazing job and obviously like one trans person isn't representing everyone's you know experience but i think for that specific character like he did a really good job of portraying i don't know i guess uh the personality and like what rayon would be feeling and like everything like i don't know i was very like I was I was for it. I did not even remember it was Jared Leto. I was like <laughs> fully into yeah. the character. I thought it was yeah. I thought it was pretty awesome. Yeah, we felt similarly. I I thought he did an amazing job. Um, but I guess some so some of the criticism that people gave the casting was not really his portrayal. It was really just the fact that you know a trans individual was not cast for that role and uh, some people thought that it was a missed opportunity do you think like this is a good point or do you agree with this i yeah that it really is a good point um especially because i don't i mean there's really not a lot of uh actual trans people in movie uh, in movies or tv shows um and even if there are it's usually not an actual trans person portraying that character so I do, I don't know, I like I applaud his performance, but I do think that it would have been a great opportunity um, to have someone that was part of the LGBT community that like understood, you know, had a trans background and understood what that was actually like. And especially because Jared Leto is just not at all part of the LGBT community, it just kind of there, yes, there yeah. was a missed opportunity for sure. <laughs> right, like like he um, he did a good job, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't a missed opportunity. So exactly, exactly. Right. Yeah. So that, so, what did you think of the movie overall? I th- I I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was you know sometimes hard to watch, but I think I think it was just a really important like subject uh, because I feel like uh, the AIDS epidemic is not, there's not a lot like shown about like real experience. Uh, It's just, it's like talked about as like a historical thing, but there's not a lot of um, real like portrayal of what it was actually like. And I thought it was really interesting how like uh, Matthew McConaughey's character went from being super, you know, like homophobic and kind of ignorant and, and uneducated about LGBT stuff to being like, you know, best friends with Rayon and super supportive and like doing all this stuff for AIDS and everyone who had it. So yeah, it showed a lot of uh, making a movie like this. So I think Kenan was actually looking it up that it took, uh, 
this movie was in, under production for like 20 years because it's oh. such a hard yeah so people like had the idea to make this a while ago but you know it's a very heavy subject matter so a lot of time like not everyone's like you know ready or like jumping to try and make a movie about aids like as fast as mm-hmm. possible because it's yeah. <laughs> pretty depressing you know obviously it doesn't turn out great for everybody all the time or yeah. most of in the 80s it didn't turn out great for anybody ever so mm-hmm. yeah i my only criticism would be i guess like of the movie itself i just kind of wish that they went in like a little more on rant's character and just because, you know, Matthew McConaughey, like, was playing a cis white dude. And I know that, like, he was the main character. It was about him. But I do wish they, like, had a little bit more about, like, Rayon's background and a, a little bit more in that area. Um, yeah. It felt like the only background we got on Rayon was that um, they did not have a good relationship with their father. And oh like, yeah, <laughs> that was about it, right? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I wish they expanded a little bit more on that because it was really hard uh, scene to watch, and I think a lot of trans people could probably relate to that scene with their father. Right. So yeah. So Gab, did you think that like the relationship between Matthew McConaughey's character and Jared Leto's character was like, you know, I guess realistic, or what did you think about the relationship? I. At first, I, okay, at first I thought it was a little bit, it, I I wasn't as for it because of the way that Matthew McConaughey had been like, you know, saying some problematic homophobic things, but I really, like, I loved how they grew and how he really began to care about Rayon and like defend them, even though like, you know, he didn't necessarily understand everything they still like had each other's back like especially when um rayon was like using drugs all the time i think uh matthew mcconaughey's character was really like i don't know you could just tell how much that they cared for each other and how important they were to each other yeah i felt like they did it like realistically like matthew mcconaughey didn't like his character didn't like switch in like the blink of an eye as to being like the most homophobic person i've ever seen to being like the most understanding person you know like it was very like you could Mm -hmm. tell he was still kind of in his ways but he developed like an appreciation for like rayon as a person and i think that like led to him being a little more accepting of you know rayon's lifestyle or just yeah. like personality, deeper personality in general. So, yeah, I think that was important because it kind of shows how, in a lot of situations, like people, like at least nowadays, people are just afraid to talk or to, you know, I guess engage with people that aren't like them. But like knowing someone else's experience and like, or having something in common, like to grow with is like super important and they became bff so <laughs> it's kind of i think it's kind of a nice lesson that you don't really know someone or their experience till you actually make an effort to do so so yeah yeah well well said gab <laughs> thank um, you <laughs> do you have any like other final remarks you want to say about the movie or like any questions for me or i don't know anything else you'd like to say um, uh, I don't know. I mean, what did, what did, what did you think about 
the fact that uh, cis white men was playing Rayon. Like, do you have a specific opinion about it? Um, I mean, to be honest, I didn't think about it until I read something about it on the internet of people saying that they missed the opportunity to cast a trans actor um, mm-hmm. or actress. I like, I was like, oh, that's a good point. I didn't even think about it because I honestly think the reason I didn't think about it is because Jared Leto did such a good job. Um, yeah. But I think it is definitely a missed opportunity. I mean, like if you're trying to increase like, you know, public presence of, you know, or knowledge of the trans community, like if you have a role for a trans character, why not cast a trans individual? Like it doesn't, it makes more sense, you know, who's going to know better. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely what I think as well so yeah I mean just as a as a trans person you don't see very many people uh in the media that are like you that can relate to you so I guess when there's a room for that opportunity it's nice to see a real life trans person you know playing the character filling the shoes so yeah cool so you're saying I crushed it. Is that what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, you crushed it. <laughs> Thanks, Gab. You're an expert on all things trans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, please. Don't don't say that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Gab. We really appreciate yeah. it. I um, loved being on it. Real science. <laughs> all right. Woo. <laughs> Do you want to do our sign off? What's your sign off? All you gotta do is say if you uh you don't need good science to make a good movie. Do we say it at the same time? No, you you can take it, take it away. I'll take it. All right. Yeah. Ready? Uh huh. We don't need good science to make a good movie. Nice. All right. Cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs>